You're listening to the Australian Army Training and Doctrine Podcast. Welcome to our short series of podcasts on the Cove featuring 7th Battalion, the Royal Australian Regiment, and the lessons learned during the battalion's ready year deployed in the Middle East region. With me is Corporal Daniel Starr, who deployed with the battalion on Operation High Road to Afghanistan from June 2016 to February 2017. Tell us first about your role on that mission. Okay, so my role basically was as a corporal, I was in a platoon sergeant's position under a sergeant who was acting as the platoon commander, basically in control of anything vehicle at Camp Karga, which was the base we were sent to. You say anything vehicle, what do you mean by that? Okay, so the contingent that went over is split into force protection and the movement of the force protection. So there was a platoon that went over that was all ground-based operations, which was the the guardian angel type stuff where they were looking after guys on the ground, whereas will they lift to and from wherever they needed to be or any kind of logistical movements across Kabul from base to base and anything out of cordon security uh, using the, the heavier weapons as opposed to just the rifle that the guys on the ground had. So essentially in charge of the vehicles providing lift and specifically what vehicles are we talking about? We all had PMVs. We had, I think, at any one time we had between about nine and 12 PMVs, the Bushmaster, quite a good vehicle, which I I believe we might get into in a little bit as per the armour, the weaponry, the amount of people it can take. It was was quite a good vehicle, to be honest. So they were what we used over there, which was a number of them being a command variant, which was less seats, but had all the capabilities for a command position to be sitting inside and tasking everything. There was an ambulance, which was, um, well... You know, it speaks for itself. It was basically set up as an ambulance, didn't have all the security in the world. Uh, however, it did have everything that you'd see in a civilian ambulance. And then it just had its basic personnel transport vehicles, which were heavily armoured and capabilities with weaponry and all crewed by infantry at the time, which I believe now is half transport, half infantry. So for people who are not that familiar with the PMV or protected mobility vehicle, just take us through what its capabilities are. What can it and can't it do? To put it into civilian terms, it's basically a beefed up beast of a four-wheel drive. It has very thick armour, including all its windows. It's a pretty closed container with armoured doors plus the external armour that's fitted when it does go on operations to make it even more resistant to any kind of fire, as in enemy fire or explosion. It has a V-shaped hull at the, at the base, so if you do happen to go over a bomb underneath, the explosion is dispersed evenly outwards rather than hitting a flat bottom and sending you up in the air. Once inside and locked combat under the combat procedure, which I won't go through now, is there's a couple of hatches at the top of the vehicle where you can move in and out, often where if you need to command the vehicle from a higher point, the commander of the vehicle will actually stand out of the hatch where there's usually a machine gun of some sort mounted up there. So it's weapon round, man. It has the capability to hold three machine guns of any, any description, be it a 50 cal, 7.62 weaponry. So we had the Mag 58. We had one Mag 58 on the top centre of the vehicle, which is a, a quite a proficient machine gun. So that, that was our armament for the trip. However, there is, there is spots and you can definitely mount more of them on there. It's a pretty capable vehicle. It can do anything a four-wheel drive can do, plus more, get over basically any kind of terrain. Obviously, it has its limits, but struggle to find those limits. What about the sheer traffic, though? Because in a previous interview in this series, we've talked about the fact that just the traffic conditions in Afghanistan are very challenging. And to some extent, they're hard to train for in Australia. 
Yeah, very much so. So the, the traffic in Kabul is ridiculous. You can think of um, on, on any day, obviously it has its peak times and that, but it is utterly ridiculous. You won't see anything like it. It's interesting and it, it opened your eyes up to what traffic can actually be uh, on its worst day, which brings on the threat of if you're stuck in traffic, you want to be keeping moving, especially in Kabul where it's such a big city. It's not ideal for a a force over there to be halted in traffic because if there's any spotters anywhere, there's a number of bombs at any one stage throughout Kabul, be it in a truck, be it in a car, you get into every day. So to keep moving is a, a massive bonus. Therefore, the traffic at the time causes that challenge because we're trying to keep to the road rules where we could so we didn't aggravate anyone because that brings on its own dramas. So trying to train for the to working through that traffic while still trying to keep everyone happy. Um, it's a it's a fine line. It's a it's a very iffy line as well. It's very blurry, as in you can't keep everyone happy, but you still got to keep everyone safe. So you got to find that happy medium, which is extremely hard to train for in Australia because blocking methods are used overseas very much so, especially at roundabouts, because you want to keep the packet of vehicles together, be it a number of vehicles together, and not separate anyone because that vehicle that's separated then becomes vulnerable to attack so getting through a really really busy roundabout where you'll have anywhere up to about 50 cars going through the roundabout at once in about 30 lanes which aren't marked mind you you can't do that in australia you can't stop traffic over here we actually tried that during our mres during our um, rehearsals for the mission um, in australia and we got told uh, we can't do that so just do what we can around that and try and learn without going through the actual motions until you've been out in the traffic in kabul for you know a week two weeks a number of times you don't get used to it and you just you really have to learn on the go which is sometimes hard because you you're also worried about getting in trouble if you damage a vehicle you're still going to have to answer questions even if it was unavoidable so for a young digger it's quite you know you're, you're new to afghanistan first two weeks you don't want to be dinging up the pmv because then you can be answering questions going through interviews themselves you can't really train for it in australia but you, you just really have to look at what's going on over there have an experienced member that's been there to come by write up a bit of a plan and kind of try and tick all the boxes you possibly can um which wasn't really the case when we were going over there we really had to learn on the fly so did you at any point ding your PMV? Uh, mine, I'm going to say no on the radio, but there was definitely some guys in my platoon that, um, that caused, some, caused some issues with the PMVs. Sometimes we had to push cars. It was unavoidable to avoid a big incident. Sometimes cars had to be nudged, which wasn't ideal, but like I said, it's that fine line that no one's there to say you're right or you're wrong. They're just there to ask you the question afterwards, basically. So there was definitely some dinged up vehicle, yes. So how would you prepare diggers going out there in future to be able to deal with that very complex and indeed very grey kind of environment where it's unclear what's right and what's wrong? Being comfortable in the vehicle itself, which leads up to the preparation, which we didn't have again. Courses being run early. I mean, you know your battalion's going overseas quite a significant time prior to it, whereas we had guys going on course a couple of weeks out from the trip to learn how to drive a PMV for the first time. And that was mainly the guys that went to HKIA, whereas Cargo, we had guys, um, we, were, we were driving in Uruzgan a few years ago. So we had that experience of the whole hearts and minds thing, as well as the, the tactical side of, of driving a PMV in an operational zone. So I would say get them quelled up early, uh, nice and early, get them comfortable, have them driving through rubbish terrain a number of times, put them through their limits. It's just because then they know what it's capable of. There's no point in going over there 
and kind of not having a feel for the PMV. There was a number of times we're kind of on a, on a bit of an angle on the PMV. It feels like it's going to roll, but if you've been in that position before, you know you've still got another few degrees to the right before you actually will put it on its side. So whereas other guys will, you know, start limiting themselves because they're scared of what's going to happen. So you, I think anyone that's going to be driving over there being, I mean, it's an important job. You're, you're, there's lives in your hand when you're driving through Kabul and it's the decisions you make a split second due to the traffic that you need the experience and you need to be comfortable in that vehicle. So you just need experienced people to train these guys well in advance and give them all the training they require prior to. I mean, that, to me, that's a priority for anyone going over there as a driver. In summary, looking back, what do you think you got from your deployment? from your own personal experience of working with the PMVs? Um, well, working in a role higher than my worn rank, there was definitely challenges in its own. So I was put through the test a couple of times, especially when my platoon commander went on his leave, his Rockle. So I was then put in control of the platoon as a head. And at the time, I think the, the biggest on base at Anoa a security operation went ahead, which is their, their marching out parade from the officer academy, the ANA. So I had to come up with a bit of a, a plan as to how to use the, the PMVs and incorporate the lift, et cetera. So they were things that I wasn't quite trained for and I had to use the resources I had there, i.e. more experienced people and stuff like that, to put together a plan. So it, was, it was just things like that, being in that role that I wasn't used to, developed me as a person, I think, and as a soldier. Whether that's stuck, um, we'll find out in a couple of years. But I thought that made me a more knowledgeable soldier. And in terms of PMVs, it was, it was a very different operation than my previous trip in Uruzgan. There was more people. It was just added another experience. It wasn't driving through the desert. It was now driving through, you know, Sydney traffic at 7.30 in the morning, but with bombs in the area. So it's just a, a world of experience that you don't get anywhere else. Final question. What would your advice be then to someone else perhaps preparing to go over to Afghanistan on a similar type mission? have a number of plans so as the forecast of events comes out so that the plan for each day comes out that's due to change on a daily basis or an hourly basis due to what people can actually get to so just be ready to be adaptive and and flexible to anything that can happen during any kind of preparations or training have a plan going into something and then incorporate in that training the change of plan last minute so you have to think on your feet it's only by mistakes that you can kind of rectify these things because that they happen and you, you can't really plan for it. Corporal Daniel Starr, thank you very much. To listen to more podcasts in this series featuring lessons learned from 7RAR's Ready Year, visit the Cove's website. The web address is www.cove.org.au. That's www.cove.org.au. I'm Captain Sharon Maskeldare. Thank you for listening. This podcast is produced by the Australian Army and is copyright the Commonwealth of Australia.